The holiday season is now upon us. The year is absolutely flying by, and the news never stops. That's why we at the DSR Network have expanded our programming to cover even more of the world's events. We hope you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of November, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code STUFFING at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code STUFFING. Thank you very much for your support. Hi, this is Riley Fessler. In the spirit of the House Ethics Committee's bombshell investigation, today's episode from The Silo is a secret life of cookies, where Marissa talks to an investigative journalist about the enigma that it is George Santos. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. Hello and welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies. My guest today is investigative reporter Marissa Cabus, who has become the walking, talking expert on all things George Santos. And we get down to the nitty gritty, which, you know, also, her name is Marissa. So really, you got to listen for the double Marissa whammy of an episode. Marissa and I also had an interesting and, and an inspiring talk, which you can hear when you listen to the podcast about being shameless. It's, it's got its bad connotation, you know, like George Santos is above the world. And then it's also got its positive connotation of being in charge and putting yourself and your thoughts, everything out there without apology. So first, uh, let me be a little shameless. Let me thank you all for helping to make my Substack newsletter a Substack publication of the year, which is a true honor. And also, without apology, but with hope and gratitude, if you can please share this podcast with friends and give it a review in the Apple App Store, that would be fantastic. The more reviews, the more listeners, the bigger, the better, the rounder, the sweeter this podcast can be. So I thank you for that. On with the show. So it's a pleasure to have you here. You you are here not just because of your freelance journalism chops, but because you have taken on a role not many of us would envy, a challenging role in these trying times. And what is it that you've taken on and why? I've taken on the ballad of George Santos. <laughs> Somehow doesn't know him at this point. He is the current congressman for New York's 3rd Congressional District. He is a Republican, and he is a professional con man. (laughs) And as a a native daughter of the district where he serves, parents still live there, and some of my very best friends live there. Ever since this story broke, I have been absolutely hooked. (laughs) I think a lot of us have been hooked, too. I was wondering, like, you know, when I was, you know, thinking about like how to introduce your subject, I was like, should I use the name Katara, the drag queen, George Santos, the politician, George DeVolder, the businessman, Anthony DeVolder, the um, MAGA LGBTQ activist, or George or Anthony Zabrowski, 
the Jewish descendant of Holocaust survivors. Or George Santos, the son of the woman who was in her office in the World Trade Center. Or, or, or how do you like to refer to him? Con man? <laughs> I've kind of weirdly started just calling him George, like as if he's like someone familiar to me. It's just George. It's George and he's become a part of my everyday life. And um, it's this weird kind of relationship because I've gotten a lot of new subscribers to my newsletter and I have gone on TV a lot. And so I, I guess I have George to thank for that. Um, but uh, as far as like what he's actually doing to the district and the world is an entirely different thing. <laughs> yes. And we, I have a lot of questions. But as you know, this is also a podcast in which I bake, and sometimes my guests bake with me, but I think you're too deep into the George Santos affair to even think about baking at this time. I'd rather you were digging. And I, so today I am, for those uh, playing along at home and for you playing along at home, and you have said you are willing to try these at some point. So I want to know what you think. I'm a good baker, but I'm a good baked good eater, so... As long as that works for you. It totally works for me. And it's a skill set that I, I appreciate. Today, I am making a chewy. I'm trying out a, a slew. I've, I'm infatuated with the chocolate chip cookie. And I'm trying out loads of different recipes. I have two different batches of dough in front of me. One is made with melted butter. And it's supposed to make a very gooey, chewy cookie. Um, what kind of chocolate chip person are you? Cookie. I like it a little crispy on the outside and soft on the inside, which is hard to achieve. But when it's right, it's right. That's. I think that's. I should probably be making these for you, which is the other batch that I have ready here. I made them with confectioner sugar, so they're tender. I just that sound like. Don't you want your cookies to be tender and loving? And and they get crispy on the outside, so there's that. Um, anyway, so I'm going to be scooping while. While you're scooping, giving us the scoop. I'd love to know, as we kick this off, what do the people in your district think? How are they feeling about all this? They're really disturbed by it. As I've written a bit, knowing the district as I do, they're not used to being in the spotlight, um, particularly for their congressional representation. They've had a, a kind of stretch of pretty low-key representatives I mean, there was some redistricting that went on, uh, you know, 10 years ago. But before that, at least my part of the district where I grew up was was represented by a Republican. But he had been there for like almost mm -hmm. 30 years. So he was kind of just like flying under the radar. Like everyone knew him, but it was fine. And then when it was redistricted, they got a Democrat. And then it's been two Democrats since then. And they were both very, I, I keep using the word unremarkable. It's <laughs> 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 my nice way of saying they didn't. Do a whole lot. And it's really interesting because it's a very wealthy district. It's a very well educated district. There's it's right adjacent to New York City. In fact, it includes a, a small part of New York City. And so people there are just not used to having this kind of attention. And now they're like, wait, we're on the national stage for a really embarrassing reason because we elected a guy who lied about everything. <laughs> And have you talked to people who voted for him who have regrets or who think, hey, whatever? No. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, the people who think, hey, whatever, I think are staying pretty silent right now because he is the third rail of politics and no one wants it. 
anything to do with it. There was a whole press conference last week with local Republican leaders calling on him to resign. And I've never seen anything like that. And I never thought in my lifetime I would ever see anything like that. And so his supporters, they're deleting their Instagram posts with him. <laughs> they're, they're like really trying to distance themselves. But it's like, guys, the FDC reports are still there. We know. <laughs> right. Because if you are like a local into local politics and you are now tarred with the brush of, of letting him happen, how do you? Well, I mean the world of politics has changed and, you know, people are very forgiving, obviously. How did we get George Santos? We got George Santos by a few factors. The district has reddened over the last few years in the years of Trump. Um, Trump had a huge influence on the area just because it is adjacent to New York City and there's a lot of financial types and a lot of people who are in his orbit. And, you know, whether or not they think he's a good person or well-spoken, they, they respect his money and his, his wealth. And I think that that speaks to, and I think that speaks to the language of a lot of people who live in this district. George right. Santos set out to create this sort of avatar of what the perfect New York third candidate should be. And that's a finance bro that someone who is a college athlete and <laughs> that's someone whose mom was in 9-11 and really? taking down the list of, of ways to be relatable. And oh, and, and of course being Jewish in a very Jewish district. Right. I just happen to be then a Holocaust survivor right. Jewish. It's not even like we were just sitting around in Long Island Jewish. It was no, no. Yeah. Really. Not just like high holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm putting the cookies in the oven. Hold on one second. Sorry. At some point, remind me because those should be undercooked. It sounds sort of hilarious. It sort of sounds like a joke on us, really, that we fell for it. So, but do you feel like the joke will ever be on him? Like, do you think it will? There has been some backlash, but here he is today. He is on two committees, none of them with national security information that you know could possibly be compromised by his lying pathological self according to his lying pathological self Kevin McCarthy but where do you see this going i find it really hard to believe that he'll serve out his entire term because we're less than 2 weeks into his term and look at the clip of the news about him but i also think he'll be fine uh, there've been so many scammers and liars in especially Republican politics, but let's be real, all politics who landed on their feet. And um, I, I was actually thinking about Anthony Scaramucci, another mm. Long Islander, <laughs> making us proud. Yep. He, uh, you know, he became a punchline because he, he served, served such a short time as, as a press secretary for Donald Trump, and he became a measurement of time, one Scaramucci. Yeah. And then in my research about George Santos, I was looking at his old company that would put on these uh, kind of financial seminars. And there mm -hmm. was Scaramucci listed as one of the keynote speakers at an event that they had last month, just last month. And he is like a crypto kingpin now, and he's speaking all over, and he's tweeting inspirational quotes, and he's doing fine. So <laughs> if he can do it, I feel like there's for literally anyone. <laughs> and that, my friend, is the lesson. 
the Democrats in your district are not to be overlooked, right? As uh, people who validated George Santos by not doing anything about him, right? If people within the Republican Party, apparently, is this true, um, kind of knew that something was not quite right with George Santos, didn't the Democrats have some sense of that? It They've been trying to play both sides of it. They initially, when the first story came out in mid-December, they said, we knew and we tried to sound the alarm and media wouldn't. <laughs> um, and, and the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Committee, did put out a report about Santos before the election, and it did detail some of the concerns about him. However, they obviously did a horrible job marketing it and and pitching it to places and and making people understand why it's important. I mean, there were so many things going on in this election, and Democrats were just holding on for dear life. But they felt really comfortable in this district because it was Biden won it by a, a nice margin. And it's been represented by Democrats. So it was considered possible for Republicans, but it wasn't considered particularly vulnerable. So the fact that George Santos won by seven points was just, it, it was one of the biggest shocks of, of the entire election. And so the Democrats in the district, they said, we tried, we knew some of this. The fact is, a story came out the other day that George Santos's own campaign ran a pretty standard background check on him. And they found out that he had been married to a woman for eight years. And while I don't think that's the most important lie that he's told or the thing he just didn't mention, I right. think it's one of those things that's really easy for people to digest to understand why saying you're an out and proud gay man and who's married to a man is actually married to a woman. And so the fact that they couldn't find that and leverage that is really concerning to me and, and makes me not believe anything they said. Right, which is a bad place for them to be in since we're staring at somebody who was just elected who we can't believe anything they yeah. said, right? And his opponent is has gone on this press tour since this has all happened because, you know, everyone wants to I actually don't even understand the purpose of him going on this tour, to be perfectly honest. But he I think for him he's trying to set himself up as if there's a special election, if if Santos resigns, he thinks he'll be the candidate, which is hilarious because He's never going to be the candidate. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I guess crazier things have happened, but I really don't see that happening. And Why don't you see it happening? Um, because his whole campaign was asleep at the wheel and they missed a million red flags about maybe the craziest politician we've ever had. And he had a lot of money. It wasn't like they had no money to pay for opposition research. His campaign raised $3 million. If you can't find... A good fraction of these lies and use them to your benefit, then you don't deserve $3 million. Do you want a great book idea? I can give, I'll give it to you here on the air right now. Nobody can steal it. Okay. Um, it's, it's Marissa to Marissa. Just maybe like, give me like, like a mention in the forward or something, or I'll write the forward. Okay. Here's the idea, which is you said, George Santos, one of the craziest politicians of our time. You know, what would be great a book all about the craziest, most out there politicians of our time. And it would be short bite-sized chapters and really say a whole heck of a lot about America. I already have a title for it. You ready? Head yeah. case of state. 
I think you could have that proposal on my desk in about two weeks. Okay. Uh, my agent, if you're listening, uh, pick this up. I mean it. I think it would, it would be a great book. It would be so fascinating because he, I mean, he is an extreme example, but we have had like, I mean, there was, was he from Louisiana? His last name was, was a governor hog. I mean, he named his daughter. I'm a hog. <laughs> And was also like a character, you know. Louisiana um, could have its own book. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> the, the southern section of it. Um, uh, I mean, Calvin Coolidge had a raccoon as a pet. But anyway, I would get, this is my, my um, I used to work at Nickelodeon and we would always, like, you know, at Nickelodeon Magazine, and we'd spend a lot of time creating these like lists of fun facts about the presidents you never knew. And that was one of the ones that stuck in that my head. That is a fun fact. More mm-hmm. presidents should have raccoons. That's my professional opinion. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Let's get into some of the weeds of George Santos. <laughs> we can wash afterwards. I, I want to go back into some of these very... This guy was involved in a Ponzi scheme. I mean, I, why should I even go deep into it, right? You know, he worked for Harbor City, which the SEC said they were a Ponzi yep, scheme. Yeah, confirmed. Okay. And, and then he, what happened to him? What did he do? He was not implicated in the Ponzi scheme. He was not named in the lawsuit against them. So technically in that case, his hands are clean. However, there have been stories in the last few days coming out that he was actively pitching the company to, to investors, including um, Andrew Introtter, who is the cousin of a Russian oligarch. Victor Vecklesberg. <laughs> I need to draw a flowchart for everyone. But anyway, that's yeah. all to say that he was a very active member of this team and he was getting people to invest their money in Harbor City Capital when he knew that it was a Ponzi scheme. And so, again, it's like everything with him is like he's adjacent to wrongdoing and he's like almost doing something illegal, but he has some like plausible deniability and it's so every story is kind of tiptoeing around it. It's like he did something not great, but we can't say if it was technically illegal. That was exactly what I was going to, the phrase I was going to use is just, he's adjacent to a Ponzi scheme. He's adjacent to criminal liability. He's adjacent, you know, he's so shifty. He also claims to have made a lot of money in the Devolder. Was it with Devolder? Is that? Yeah. And how how did he make the money? Like where are his finance bro skills? We have no idea. It's very unclear. And that's, that's the hottest story right now. Pardon me. That's not a story right now that people are trying to chase. Where did that money come from? There was just this sudden infusion. When he ran for Congress in 2020, he reported an annual income of $55,000. And then two years later, he was reporting over a million dollars. And got all this money from his to his campaign, and no one knows where it came from. That's fascinating. Do we have any leads? Any ideas where it might be coming from? Where what happened? It's just a lot of forensic accounting that needs to be done, I think, and that is definitely mm-hmm. above my pay grade <laughs> so, and my skills. That very very. Um, but yeah, there there hasn't been a, a solid lead yet on where it came from. This reminds me, I spent a 
uh, of the Madoff documentary that's on Netflix right now. Have you watched Not yet. it? Okay, that's your that's your afternoon. Like that's your afternoon. Okay, just spend a little time watching it. It is. I thought I knew. I thought I knew everything there was to know about Bernie Madoff. He's a, a shyster, and there was he was a con man, and people fell for it and lost lots of money. Absolutely true. But the people who supported him unknowingly, which has got to be a farce because all of these people were um, financial. Many of the people who invested in him, who kept him afloat, were financial geniuses. You know, they were very, very skilled at what they do. So they can't have known, not have known that, you know, Bernie promised a sure thing. The first, you don't have to know math to know that the stock market is not a sure thing. I mean, it takes a village to run a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) That's the other book. It takes a village to run a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) Oh, it's true. I mean, I've been going back and forth a lot since focusing on this story about whether he was sort of this useful idiot who fell in with the wrong crowd and who was just vulnerable and wanted to be famous and powerful. Yeah. Or... It's actually a pretty smart guy who knew what he was doing and had a lot of other people helping him get to where he wanted to be. And I was definitely leaning towards the former. And now I'm like starting to think the latter. I think he knew a lot of what he was doing. And I think he's maybe a bit smarter than we would have guessed based on the insane lies that he told. The pathological liars I've known, which haven't been a lot, but I've known them, have all been brilliant people just with a profound sense of inadequacy yeah i i had a very dear friend <laughs> years ago and yeah she she was very very smart and it was one of those things like wow what wasted potential here like if you're just honest and and pursued things honestly you'd actually be really successful but yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I don't want to get into any like armchair psychology, but I, there's something not right with him, <laughs> and he is obviously fulfilling some sort of need by lying about his entire life, which apparently he's been doing for a really long time, according to you know this person I spoke to yesterday. So, so this is we can expect that in your latest Substack, I think. Um, yeah, that was the one that came out last night, actually. Um, with Eula Rochard. She's the drag queen in Brazil. She knew George as a young man um, when he was, you know, maybe not fully out as gay to his family, but he was making community in his city where he lives. And it sounded like he had a really nice network of people, which kind of bums me out because it's just, it's very sad. And he, he, in these photos, he looks happy. He looks like he's having a really good time. And and his his old friend told me that he really enjoyed it. He he had a good time, and but his desire to be rich and famous and powerful just overtook him, and he he left behind this this nice life for this complete mess. <laughs> In a world where we can Photoshop things easily, we're sure that that picture of him in drag is him. As sure as we can be, is of him. Yes, in drag. yes, it's been confirmed by other uh, news outlets. <sighs> You're, you know, that's the sad part in all of this is that here was a guy who was seem, seemingly very happy, according to other sources, and kind of, I would say, threw it all away. But he's in Congress and I'm not. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
sold his soul. He he allowed himself to align with some of the very worst people in the world. Um, he aligned with Steve Bannon, and one of his staffers is a former staffer for Bannon's podcast. So he's he's not just like dipping his toe in the the fascist stuff. He's like all in. And so it's like you can feel bad for him to a point and, and remember that he is a human being, which I think the drag thing is sort of like humanizes him. It reminds you that he was at one point just a teenager who enjoyed doing drag in Brazil. You know, right. all these years later, he has completely changed his life and he made a choice. At, he, there was a fork in the road and he made a choice. And, and here he is. It's a. Uh... Kind of, it's kind of concerning. They're trying to oust him now. Like Richie Torres is sort of leading the charge. What do you know about that? You think I, you think that, that they will have the chance to be successful? I'm opening the oven door now. By the way, okay. <laughs> I don't see it being successful. I feel like that effort is a little ineffectual. If I'm being honest, I like this legislation that he's drafted. It's called the Santos Act, and it's supposed to punish people for lying on their their FEC documents, which sound is is fine. It just all seems kind of like a stunt. And it was like, why weren't you doing this before? What? Why do you have to do the acronym? Like it just it doesn't ring true to me. And also, it doesn't like he he did it with Daniel Goldman, who happens to be my congressman, my new congressman, and. Aside from them, I don't see a lot of people rallying around it. So I don't think most of their colleagues are too impressed by this effort. Yeah, I, I wonder if some of it is the colleagues not wanting to be called out for not noticing that George Santos was a or for their own lies. I mean, think about wait, politicians. Wait, break this down for me. Break it down for we me. Just broke some news. <laughs> I think that they're terrified. And I mean, as I've been carrying through every little detail of this guy's life, I think about if we did this with every single member of Congress, imagine the things we would find. And no one else wants that. And so it, it's setting up a tricky situation where they're like, well, you know, background checks for thee, but not for me. <laughs> right. And I think some of us uh, citizens, citizens, and maybe you fall into this category yourself, spend a lot of time using self-deprecation as a way of trying to move ourselves forward, which by the way, people, turns out at my great age, I can tell you, hasn't been that effective. But we spend a lot of time sort of playing things down, right? And then there's the other side uh, of these people. And I think that's what is so unnerving for those of us who spend a lot of our time going, oh no, I can't tell this person that I was had this role, even though I really did, but it was never really official, you know, and I don't... This year, this is my personal goal is to be more shameless. And (laughs) I think that the people who are the most shameless should have the most shame because they usually have the least to actually offer. And I want the people Mm. who have actual things and actual, uh, you know, backgrounds to stand on to be really proud of themselves. And I mean, it's only a few weeks into 2023, but I already see it paying dividends. And so if, if people could leave with anything from this episode, I want them to be a little bit more shameless. <laughs> and what does that, what does being shameless mean to you? That means not being afraid to share your accomplishments, to reach for a goal that may seem a little bit lofty, but 
is still within the realm of possibility and to just not psych yourself out of it. Um, You never know until you try. You never know until you ask. And I think the worst thing that someone can say is no. It's very rare that someone's going to be like, you're ridiculous for even asking. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we're all afraid of. But that's most people are much kinder than that. And so I, and this is as much for me as it is for anyone else, but just to to um, be proud of yourself, because if you're not, who else is going to be? <laughs> you know what, Marissa's Unite, that is, to, I, I feel I have a big fat grin on my face. I am so happy. That is, let's make that our goal. Everybody out there in podcast land, make it your goal. That's I brilliant. Um, we really should be because I think, I think a lot of us is, you know, we are so tired of like, watching people who are constant schemers and liars like oh who let me donald trump not getting any nothing bad happening to them seemingly right you know or waiting and i mean like living the life of riley or whoever um at mar-a-lago while the wheels of justice turn so slowly and i'm afraid to get a speeding ticket you know or my god did we did i'm paying my taxes um, but oh, we forgot to. Oh, we better, you know, and worrying down to the tiniest detail that we did the right thing. So we should be doing the right thing and be proud of it and be shameless. I'm and for follow it. the law, but you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's absolutely <laughs> true. That's. I have an accountant, and that's what I'm saying. I do no. follow the law. I don't break the speed limit. And the IRS like has the nerve to be like, "Oh, your filing was a little off. Like, can you send us three hundred dollars?" And I'm like. Can you like ask Jeff to pay my bill? I mean, please, you're you're coming to me, you're nickel and diming me for three hundred dollars. Uh, okay, <laughs> exactly. I stop for pedestrians and crosswalks. Okay, even if they don't want to cross the street, I still wait and make them cross the street. No, I, I'd like to go um, do the uh, list of shamelessnesses is, 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 of George Santos, and I want to just. Go through the details and you tell me what's 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 the truth, okay? So Katara, the um, which is a great name, the drag queen. True or false? True. George DeVolder, great businessman. False. <laughs> George DeVolder. Who is he? No one knows. So how how does a George DeVolder exist? It, I mean, how how does how do any of the great scammers exist? I think that. They find people who are credulous and they play on people's kind of insecurities, but, but also flatter them and they, they're master manipulators. I mean, you have to be to, in order to get elected to Congress on, based on his fake resume. The idea that he had a different last name is strange to me. Well, I think that that they, that from what I, I believe I've, I've looked at a, official documentation of passport. I need, I need to confirm it, but based on that, his full name is George Anthony DeVolder Santos. So okay, he has okay. a lot of names and that's not abnormal, especially in Latin American names. You know, a lot of people have both of their, their mother and their father's names and a middle name. That's fine. But what's unusual is him like mixing and matching them and, and having aliases. I mean, who, what kind of normal person has aliases? That's what, uh, yeah, ex- that's exactly what I'm driving at. And you're right. It's completely normal to have all those names, but you use them. Right. And 
like typically. people are kind of nitpicking like well he didn't really lie and it's like but like yeah he did if you go by one thing your whole you know childhood and adolescence and then all of a sudden you completely change it there has to be a reason yeah and if it's above board just just right yeah if there there could be a perfectly reasonable explanation but the fact that he switched it so many times i mean i've seen every permutation um there's been anthony devolder there's been george devolder there's been anthony santos and uh george santos now and and it's just exhausting and so it's like I, i mean I know we like put a lot of stuff in people's names, but like we were talking about our names at the top, right? And like your name has meaning to you. And so when you're constantly changing what your name is, it must be really hard to have any sense of your own personal identity. Beautifully said. It's absolutely right. Absolutely right. George Santos's mother. What is the, what do we know? We know that she lived in Brazil, that she worked as um, a housekeeper at one point and as a home health aide. Um, we know that she died in 2016. Um, and we know that she definitely didn't die in 9-11 and, in fact, was not in the United States at all during that time period. And, and that's about it. I mean, she's the one that he claimed had Ukrainian ancestry and, and, Jew- and that her parents fled the Holocaust, but that's not true, obviously. That's not true. I mean, does he ha- do we know if he has Jewish ancestry? He does not. He does not. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else that we don't know yet about him that we, like, what are you digging at now? Like, what are we thinking? What do we think is next on the bingo card? Let's put it that way, because people have asked me to create a bingo card. I, I am um, on Twitter. So what are we going to, what should we put on the uh, bingo card next? Do you want to speculate? I am hoping that his finances, his campaign finances will be the next big thing. Um, as much as mm-hmm. the drag story and the dog story and all this. are The dog story. Can we pot? Is that, and we have that confirmed? As yes, well? that was confirmed. The, um, the veteran was interviewed by NBC news and confirmed by another veteran. Um, awful, awful story. I mean, I just like you don't. Can you quickly yeah. run through it for anybody who's had the sad, who hasn't, who doesn't? So know the the backstory, the backstory is that uh, George Santos had a um, pet rescue nonprofit, or he claimed to. There's no evidence that it was actually a registered nonprofit, but he ran some sort of organization that helped animals in need. And so um, in 2016, when this disabled veteran um, needed help with his dog, his dog had an enormous tumor and and she needed it removed, he couldn't pay for the surgery. So someone connected him with George Santos. I don't know what name he was going by at that time. So he was connected to him and and George set up a GoFundMe for him and they raised the $3,000 needed. And then George basically absconded with the money. And um, this man's dog, Sapphire, died shortly thereafter because her her tumor was never operated on. Um, And he said he contemplated suicide as a result of of the loss of his very beloved dog. So it's just like pretty much one of the worst things you could possibly do to another person. Right. If you're, you know, uh, if you're going to spend all that time creating a persona for yourself, of th- good things that you've done and you know uh, 
like George Santos has picked from all the best you could do. What, what possesses you to do something like that? And it was just one of those stories when it came out, I'm like, uh, uh, this is another, like, this is too, it's, this is too awful to be true. Yeah. It, it does have that feeling. Um, but as far as, I mean, he, he claims George that it's not true, but he claims everything's not true. So yeah, he already claimed that the drag story was not true this morning, but you know, there is something funny about a Republican being a drag queen in this day and age of Republicans being so terrified of drag. It is, it is. And that's the whole thing. I, I don't care what he does. Have fun, but don't support people who are targeting violence at drag shows all over the country. Come out and say something. Um, you know, at least the very least you could do at this point is say, like, as someone who is part of the drag community, I do not condone these attacks, but he knows where his bread was buttered, at least. Now he has no butter. <laughs> <laughs> he has no butter. I um, was listening to uh, NPR this morning, as you know, a liberal in the suburbs does, talking about a new kind of gaseous entity that was found adjacent, there's that word, to our galaxy. And the, uh, so it's an incredible find. And the man that they interviewed, the expert that they interviewed, described this gaseous entity as a nebulosity. And I want to give you that word as well to describe George Santos. I love that. A nebulosity. (laughs) Take it. Use it. He's a nebulosity. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you have any late breaking? Do you want to make any pronouncements before we go? Any thoughts, any deep thoughts? Uh, man, I, I, I can't predict what's going to happen with this guy. It's really a one day at a time sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So just stay tuned and, and sign up for my newsletter at thehandbasket.substack.com. As in going to... <laughs> I am loving your uh, Substack and I've recommended it to my Substack users. So I think everybody should join in because uh, the rep- your reporting is very deep and it goes beyond some of the like more casual stuff that we see on TV that's sort of like, oh my gosh. Um, and it really gets to the nitty gritty of things. So I appreciate that. Uh, okay. Let's all go to the hand basket. I'm going to put some cookies in the hand basket. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on today and keep up the good Thanks. work. You can follow the great reporting of Marissa Cabus on her Substack called hand basket. And on Twitter, her handle there is Marisa Cabus. And I say it with an one S because it's M-A-R-I-S-A-K-A-B-A-S. And you can find the recipe for the gooey chocolate chip cookies on my substack at marissarothkopf.substack.com. Have a great week.